The upstate of South Carolina is filled with many individuals, businesses, and organizations that are collectively helping to shape the upstate as a leading place to live, learn, do business, and raise a family. My name is Dean Hebel, and I'm the executive director of Ten at the Top, a regional nonprofit organization with the mission of fostering collaboration and partnerships around issues that impact economic vitality and quality of life. Thanks for joining me for Upstate Gems, our podcast where I chat with upstate influencers to learn about their journey and how they are making a difference in the upstate. I am delighted to welcome for this session, Liz Seaman, who stays quite busy as a member of the Greenville County Council and is chief of staff at Furman University. Liz, welcome to Upstate Gems. Hey, Dean, thanks so much for having me. So I want to start by kind of, you know, talk, having you talk a little bit about your background and journey. Uh, you have a, a past from Chicago area, ended up here in the upstate. Uh, tell us a little bit about your career path and journey and how you got to, to Furman and to uh, be a council member in Greenville County. Sure. Well, you know, I, I often say Greenville is the smallest town and as far south as I was going to go. Being a, a Chicago native, I went to school in Miami, Ohio, and I lived in Cincinnati for a number of years and then Louisville, Kentucky. And I've been in Greenville over 20 years now. And, um, you know, honestly came here a little bit kicking and screaming, not really sure what to expect. And, you know, being very comfortable uh, with, uh, you know, our life and home and church and friends in Louisville, but um, have been so pleasantly surprised um, and would be so hard pressed to leave now. But when I first got to Greenville, I had the very good fortune of starting work at the American Red Cross under the guidance of Anne Wright. And so that really started uh, sort of my, my nonprofit uh, career here in Greenville. Um, you know, out of college, I was a, a marketing major and started in retail, which I highly recommend. You know, I often say people should be required to do retail or food service uh, at least once in their life to really understand the value of good customer service and, you know, the hard work that both of those kind of industries take. But prior to coming to Greenville, I was actually the youth director at our church and so was actually sort of pursuing uh, a, a role potentially uh, in ministry. And then we ended up moving to Greenville. And so, you know, kind of fast forward thinking about the kind of service I do now, not only through my the nonprofit work I've done, but even county council, it's um, just a different kind of calling, you would say. But, um, you know, really much enjoyed my time at the Red Cross. And then I spent some time at Hands on Greenville prior to their merger with the United Way. And then I was executive director at Meals on Wheels for a number of years before turning the reins over to my good friend, Katrina Carlisle. You know, now I'm at Furman and I had the chance to come at, to Furman through the development office and do some corporate engagement work. And, and now I'm very fortunate to work uh, for President Davis as her chief of staff. And, you know, it's really, it's really been a blessing. I feel like um, all the positions I've had have really allowed me a great opportunity to learn more about our community, more about the needs. And, and honestly, I think have, have those experiences have totally shaped uh, the way I approach my role in county council. I think in particular, um, you know, over this past year, as we were talking about how to spend that first round of CARES money um, and just, 
you know, up to have had the experience, the boots on the ground with the nonprofit community, um, just really, I think, gave me a different perspective than some of my colleagues in terms of, you know, how we really could deploy that money in, into, you know, to the best use to people in need. So um, how did you come about uh, wanting or, or uh, getting uh, uh, brought in to, to run for, for an uh, elected office? Yeah so, yeah, so I had the great fortune of going through Leadership Greenville. And, you know, it was at a time when I was still very new to the community. So not only was it a great way to really learn about the various aspects uh, of life here in Greenville, but um, also an opportunity to really make some connections. And, you know, I, I always recommend that program because I, I have lifelong friends to this day from people I've met through Leadership Greenville. But, you know, part of it at the end of that program, there's a closing retreat and everybody, you know, sort of stands up and says, you know, well, what are you going to do next? Now you've had this experience, you've, you've been exposed to the needs of the community. And I, you know, said, I'd, I'm going to run for elected office and had, you know, just like a lot of things in life, timing was was really perfect. Port Flint, who had been in the seat that I hold now, was getting ready to retire. So it was an open seat. Uh, and, you know, I, I ran and had the, the very good fortune of being elected. And that was in 2008. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I have been lucky to continue to get reelected to that seat. And you know, while there are certainly aspects of the job that are, are frustrating, uh, just the, the ability to be a part of shaping the community um, and helping people, uh, you know, continues to keep me going even on the, on the hardest days. Well, I think, you know, I, of course, work with a lot of uh, elected officials. And I think the, the thing you have to remember, regardless of, of uh, what their, their specific uh, agenda or or a mindset is, is everybody's goal is to make the community better. So, you know, I, I would think even though you may not always agree with the other members of council that you guys all have the, you know, the, the higher goal of making the community better. And so figuring out how to, to move those differences into a place that can um, allow for some compromise that that works on you know that that does accomplish a goal of making the community better i would think is is an important part of of your job and and you know being willing to to listen and i know you uh you know in in your uh, background you know certainly have that experience and i guess you know working with others and and getting them to figure out that you know we we can't you know always have it our way is probably you know a, a challenge in that position. Yeah, you know, Dean, it's so interesting too because since we're all single member districts and there's 12 of us, you know, first of all, 12 people. I mean, it's very hard to get all 12 of us to agree on on anything. Uh, but there's 12 of us, and we all represent very different parts of Greenville County. And I think you know that was certainly a very early learning for me. Um, to just really understand the nuances, the differences between the northern part of the county and the southern part of the county and the more urban part and where there's zoning and where there's not zoning. And, and so you're right. I mean, it's very much about, you know, representing your constituents, but also having to have an eye for the, the, the community uh, as a whole. Uh, but certainly, I, I, I agree. I, I know my colleagues, even when we disagree, uh, they all are doing what they think is in the best interest of the community. And we all have, have the, have Greenville at heart for sure. 
So with COVID this past year and uh, you know everything that's going on, the, the continued growth in Greenville, what is something that, that you uh, feel is a critical issue uh, uh, that you're focusing on you know, now and into the future? Yeah, so I think a couple of things being that, um, you know, certainly infrastructure, I mean, that just continues to, in some sense, sort of rear its ugly head, whether you're talking about roads or sewer or water. Um, I think in particular, um, you know, as businesses have come back online, you know, as we've started to meet again and things are coming to public hearings and we're seeing more and more requests for development, um, you know, just the number one barrier continues to be infrastructure. And, you know, I think residents, you know, most residents aren't opposed to growth. Uh, what they're opposed to is clear cutting and dumping a million houses on a two lane road that, that can't handle the, the traffic count. And we've just, you know, we've seemingly always been behind the eight ball in this one. And so I, I do think, um, you know, now is, is going to be the time where we can address that and thinking about some of the recovery funding um, and even this new infrastructure bill uh, coming out of D.C., you know, maybe an opportunity for us to, to do some very meaningful things to get us in a position where we will be able to, to grow more um, adequately uh, and have the infrastructure available to, to hold some of those things. Um, and I think parallel to the infrastructure conversation is certainly land use. We just finished our, our comprehensive plan, uh, but you know the next sort of piece to tackle that is, is really what are the teeth? Because the, the comprehensive plan is an illegal binding document. So the only way we enforce those things is through you know, ordinances and zoning. And so our new land development ordinance that we're putting together, you know, hopefully will mirror uh, what the comprehensive plan directions were, which, you know, the, the comp plan was put together with input from multiple stakeholders from all sides of the aisle and all sides of the perspective from environmentalists to developers, staff, third party consultants, constituents. And so, um, you know, I really see that as a very important next step. And, and some of that is, is going through the process at county council right now. So I'll be anxious to see how that plays out. And, you know, one thing that I think especially with your background in nonprofits is you've always been attuned to, but it has kind of been raised uh, uh, in terms of uh, as, a, as a real issue in the last year is economic inequities. Um, you know, you talk about the infrastructure and the different pieces. And I think one component of that, that obviously you guys uh, have to, to address is what the, the some, in some cases unintended consequences are of some of those choices and in infrastructure decisions and how they impact people who uh, are not uh, in, in the highest economic uh, places. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Dean, because you think about historically, you, even all the redevelopment of all these mill villages, um, I think is a great example. On the one hand, um, it's fabulous to think that we're, you know, reusing facilities that have remained vacant for so long. Uh, but then, of course, the balance is, you know, how are you incorporating the existing neighborhood into those conversations? And I think it just really speaks to, and, and you know, and honestly, I think the municipalities do a really good job at this. They've, they're, they're probably a little bit more intentional um, just because they have more experience in this, but much more intentional about engaging the neighborhoods 
um, in conversations with developers or things that are happening. And, uh, you know, I think that's certainly an area where the county has an opportunity to, to really, you know, step up and, and improve some of those things. And of course, you know, our, our vehicle for some of that redevelopment, uh, GCRA, uh, the Redevelopment Authority, you know, has done a masterful job and especially in the area of affordable housing. And I think our, they are very attuned, John Castile and his team, very attuned uh, to that delicate nuance between we have an obvious need for affordable housing, uh, but we also um, have a responsibility uh, to, to maintain and lift up existing neighborhoods. So it's, it's certainly a delicate balance and, and one that will continue to, to play out as, as development continues outside of the Greenville city limits and heads out, you know, thinking about West Greenville and, and even as we go farther into the northern and southern parts of the county. Right. Well, with projected you know, growth in Greenville of over 100,000 people in the next 10 to 20 years and, and three to 400,000 across the entire upstate, you know, that is certainly an issue that will continue for, for quite a while. But I want to shift real quick before we get to the rapid fire questions to Furman. Um, you know, which is your, your day job, you know, people think <laughs> yeah. that, uh, you know, uh, uh, city and county uh, council members, you know, don't have anything else to do. But uh, in reality, you, you know, have a full time job there. Um, you know, Furman is, is a, has a great history here uh, in the upstate. And, uh, you know, is a, a, a great liberal arts uh, institution. What has been some of the challenges that Furman has faced during COVID? And what do you see as kind of, you know, what are the, the focus as you guys go, you know, into the new school year and beyond? Yeah, so Dean, obviously the biggest challenge with COVID was, you know, our, the inability for our students to be able to engage in the community. And, and frankly, even the, the inability for community members to engage here on campus. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, we really had, had to close the gates. And so, you know, there's, there was no fall football, there were no concerts, there were no lectures there, you know, and, and it was just, it was a very isolating feeling, I think, both for the university as a whole and our students, but for the community. I mean, we, we are Greenville's university. And so, you know, part of, part of what is so special about our relationship with Greenville is this intersection between our faculty, students, staff, and the community at large. And I think as we've you know, as we are emerging out of the pandemic, the ability to get all of those things going and whether that's, you know, our, we have over a thousand students who are involved in our Heller Service Corps who volunteer with the nonprofit agencies here in town, or you think about all of the internships uh, that our students participate in with our local companies, the work of our, you know, institutes, uh, you know, partnerships with the various municipalities. I mean, all those things are starting to ramp back up again. And so we're excited about being able to have some of these things happen. You know, we're, um, we've got some great fun things planned uh, in partnership with the city of Greenville um, coming up this fall. That will be great. And, you know, even things like our partnership at Ford Field or at the Well or at M. Judson or at the Upcountry History Museum. We had all the have all these places where people can engage, and you know, basically <clears throat> for almost two years, you know, those doors were dark, and so we're just anxious to get to get people back in those venues, and, and especially to get our students uh, back engaged in those things. We were very fortunate this summer to have a Furman 
a student as an intern with us and, and can speak from experience that, that uh, you know, it is, it is a, a great uh, opportunity both for, for them, but then also, as you said, for uh, the community. And I think, you know, that's something that everybody can, can uh, really attest to over the last year and a half has been missing. And, you know, I think as, as we figure out how to adjust and move forward in this, uh, this new era, uh, you know, remembering those relationships and getting back to some of the things that we've we've uh, maybe took for granted in the past will be uh, important. But last thing I want to mention about Furman is, you know, one of the things that that many of us in the in the uh, in in our world know about, but I'm not sure the general public knows as much about is some of the the institutes and you know most especially the the uh, diversity leadership. Institute, which I graduated from in 2012 and has been around for nearly 20 years. Talk real quickly about some of those other community programs, the senior uh, uh, programs and other things that, that Furman has that does connect it to the community beyond just simply the undergraduate experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I'll, I'll kind of mentally kind of walk through campus and I'll start way at the edge at our hearing center and so certainly our Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, or OLLI as it's, as it's better known, um, it has been a great connection for uh, folks in our community, um, many of whom are lifelong residents, but some of whom are new. Um, and OLLI also has a senior leaders program that gives uh, folks an opportunity to do a little bit deeper dive into the needs of the community and, and provides, I think, some pathways for, for leadership there. And then, of course, you know, our Riley Institute, which you mentioned, Diversity Leaders Initiative, uh, is, has really been the leader statewide uh, in bringing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, in the forefront and have been doing that work for a number of years, as you mentioned. And I will say one of the things about the pandemic as it relates to Riley that I thought was really special is the ability um, to actually have classes of of Riley Fellows meeting together statewide. So, you know, I participated in sort of that next level program of DLI and it wasn't just Greenville or upstate folks. It was folks from the upstate, folks from the Midlands and folks from the low country. And, you know, one of the things about South Carolina, we are a small state. And so our ability to collaborate statewide um, is really, I think one of the very uh, important special things that, that groups like Riley bring, bring to the fore. And then our, our Shy Institute, of course, um, has been longstanding leader in the area of environmentalism and sustainability. And you know, one of the neat things they're working on right now is the, the sustainability plan for the city of Greenville. Um, and we'll also be doing a little bit of consulting work as it relates to some of the sustainability things happening at Unity Park, for instance. And so that's really been a neat thing. And then our innovation and entrepreneurship folks um, obviously have had um, you know, a, a really great time, not only um, engaging with the city, but next uh, Venture South and some of these, you know, sort of entrepreneur ecosystems. And, you know, as you know, Dean, too, even through Town at the Top, I mean, the, the, the idea of, of small business uh, and uh, innovation is really, is really at the heart of our community. We have a, a lot of, of great large and mid-sized corporations, but you know, small business is truly the heart of things. And so being having an opportunity, especially for students, so many of whom who have ideas for businesses and having a place where they can sort of incubate those ideas. And then our Institute for the Advancement of Community Health, 
um, also has, you know, that that program, not only for our undergraduate students, but thinking about the relationship with Prisma Health and their MedEx Academy and, and seeing students even from an early middle to high school age that have an interest in, in health in, in any aspect of the health careers um, has been an important piece and, and the ability to you know, even work alongside Clemson and, and uh, South Carolina Med School. You know, it's just, it's put Furman in a really unique position to add value uh, to all of those kind of activities. So it's, you know, it's really been great. And then, you know, obviously, of course, I, I mentioned we're excited to have things like football and uh, our theater arts and our art building back open and our music programs back opened up for people to, to take part in because our, our students here are so incredibly talented and it's just so fun uh, to be able to offer that asset uh, to the community. Well, let's hope that this fall we'll uh, we'll be able to, to enjoy and get back to doing some of those things, even if we have to wear a mask. Uh, that's right. That's right. Whatever so, it takes. Yes, absolutely. So let's finish up with some rapid fire questions, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a quick question, just a, you know, a few second uh, answer. The first thing that comes to mind. Um, first one, what is something you learned and still use today from a mentor or past colleague? That's such a great question. Um, for me, it's to be present. You know, so often I think people try to multitask and, you know, you want to be looking at your email, checking your phone, you're on a Zoom call, checking your phone. Uh, but I think one of the greatest pieces of advice I've, I was given by a mentor is to be present, be in the moment where you are, who you're with. Perfect. And building on that, what is one observation or lesson that you would share with a mentee of yours? Yeah, so I think one, one piece of advice would be, you know, do your best where you are right now. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having aspirations and goals and thinking about your next step. Uh, but the way to get to that next step is to be excellent where you are right now. Great. Who is someone in your network who you can count on being a good partner for collaborating and forming community partnerships? You know, gosh, <laughs> There's probably about a thousand, a thousand people I could name. I mean, certainly, Dean, I consider you and the folks at 10 at the top in that category, um, United Way, Community Works. I mean, I, I just, I think that's one of the things about Greenville in particular that I, I just is so really very special. I, I don't think I've ever really been told no when I've, when I've reached out to any organization or any person to say, hey, I have an idea or I'd like to make a connection. Perfect. Uh, if you were emperor for a day, what is one thing about your job or sector that you would change? Well, I don't know if it's really about my job or sector per se, but if I were empress for a day, um, I would eradicate COVID. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll take that one. Yeah. Um, uh, what is one thing you want to make sure that you accomplish before your career is over? You know, I think as it relates to county council in particular, um, certainly I would love to see more women in office. Um, and, you know, every chance I get, I, you know, try to encourage folks, I always encourage folks if they have any interest in running to run, but especially women, it would just be great. I mean, there's two of us out of 12 right now. I'd love to see that number grow. And, 
you know, honestly, I, you know, I talked about how we are all single member districts. Um, I would love to see at least start the conversations about maybe having some at large representation because I think that that really might help um, help just, you know, have some different perspective on council and, and folks who truly would be accountable to the entire population as opposed to just a district. Great. Um, and then the last thing, we always hear people talking about what keeps them up at night. But what I think is always interesting is to know what about the work you do gets you up in the morning? Yeah, I, I think it's because truly, and it may sound a little bit cliche, but truly for me, every day is different. Um, and I mean, that's, that's what I love. I don't, in any of my roles, I don't have a typical nine to five. I don't have a strict desk job. I don't have a strict on the road job. Um, but, you know, I can be in meetings. I can be talking to students. I can be talking to constituents. I can be, you know, advocating somewhere. I just, um, I, I do love that every, every day truly is different. Perfect. Well, Liz, thanks so much for taking time with us. Uh, I appreciate it. I've enjoyed working with you and look forward to uh, continuing to, to do that. You, you know, you're unique in, in having multiple jobs that, all, that both are, are significant within important components of our community. So I appreciate your partnership and, and uh, continued work with you. Thanks, Dean. Thanks so much for the time today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us for this edition of Upstate Gems. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure and like us on your podcast app and tell your friends. You can also check out the 10th Atop podcast channel for new episodes of Upstate Gems, as well as our other podcasts, Start, Grow, Upstate and the Upstate Mobility Alliance. <laughs>